It's extra drama for book number 75. So much drama. Amy's true love. Team Amy, right here. I'm here with Brian Dust. It's me, Marissa Flaxbart. And we're talking even more about this beautiful, life-changing book. Hey, gladiators. Yeah, I should say that more. Hey, gladiators. Oh, so soothing. Yeah, it's really nice. And I think since we're in, we've got these nice microphones, we're in a nice space, we can hear each other in our headphones. It's very radio, you know? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Very NPR. Yes, so we can talk quietly if we want to. I mean, but there is drama. <laughs> it is also so, called extra drama. Yeah, I'll pull away from the mic. Well, something especially uh, dramatic, one might say, but probably not. Um, but I'm choosing to phrase it that way about your reading of this mm. book is the place in which you read it. Yeah, I had a lot of feelings reading uh-huh. this book. Um, I actually read it very, very 90s of me. I was reading this book in Zambia. On a trip with Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> just just so amazing. Melissa Joan Hart does a lot of um, work with kids around the world, and she donated money for a clean water well, bought goats and bikes for this family, uh, the nonprofit I work at. Should I say the nonprofit? Do gladiators want to know? Maybe. Go for if, you want, if you want to, tell I them. I mean, if you're a fan of international development, if you like ending FGM, if you like girls in schools, if you like buying goats for people, then you'll love World Vision. Great. Well, there. Now you did. Now you. Now it's like the thing that podcasts are supposed to be for, where you come on to sort of like promote something. Now you've great. promoted yeah. a thing. I'm pretty. It's like, yeah, I am fully a nobody. I have no books. There, there's a strike going on. So even if I had something to promote, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> but yeah, this is not usually that kind of podcast, but it can be. And this week it is. And so where Wait, were you? Actually, can I promote Doctor Claw? Doctor Claw is my cat. He's actually a Palestinian cat I brought back from when I was working in the Middle East. Um, he doesn't have a TV show, a podcast, or a movie coming out. But I just wanted to plug my cat, Dr. Claw. I think more podcasts should be doing cat plugs. And you know what? I think that the podcast industry as a whole would really um, benefit. not... You would benefit. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's some, been a little bit of a slide mm-hmm. in revenues, you know, advertising, backing out of supporting uh, the podcasting market. There was... Um, like VCs a little bullish in the world of podcasting. And I think that a great like correction solution for that would Mm -hmm. be instead of ads for like ZocDoc or... 100%. You know, ZipRecruiter. We could yeah. have stamps.com. Just, Who knows what? Just plug your cat. More cat content. Listen, nothing nothing gooses the uh, quarterly earnings like cat content. That's what the internet is for. Internet primarily is used for two things. One, porn. That's just that's just facts. <laughs> Two, cat content. The internet was actually not to be super nerdy. I know this is drama. So drama, the way internet started before uh, I've from what I've read, porn really helped with streaming from technology. From what I've read, from what I've read, <laughs> I heard this something what I've porn. Read, read in books um, is that 
uh, video on the internet started because the the tech nerds, I say that lovingly, uh, as a nerd myself, um, set up a camera, pointed at the coffee pot in the kitchen. They didn't want to have to walk all the way to the kitchen to get coffee, and then there was no coffee in the pot. So they set up a little camera on the intranet within the office, and if the pot had coffee in it, then they would walk and get coffee. But if it was empty, they're like, Ugh, I'm not going to go all the way there. I'll wait till someone makes a pot. Video on the internet. That's the history. Never... Fact check it if you want, gladiators. Prove me wrong. I dare you. I, I desperately want to talk about this book, but I, I have to say that I thought that the story was going to go a place where then one day the camera caught something <laughs> they weren't planning on catching oh, hmm. near the coffee pot or in the reflection of the coffee pot just because of the porn thing. Oh, I was done yeah. talking about porn. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wasn't, though, yeah. apparently. Um, so... Where did you tell the gladiators where you were when you read this book? Oh, I was in Zambia. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. We're doing a clean water trip in uh, in Choma. You know Choma. Yeah. It's part of Zambia. It's in the sort of south there. Of you course, know, yeah. Right by Livingstone. There's a ah. big waterfall. It's great. Anyway, uh, zebras stuff. The zebras was at the beginning. The main part of the trip was going to see projects, schools, um, clean water, education, what we call WASH, water, sanitation, and hygiene. But Melissa Joan Hart donated well, drilled a well. She's super dope. Uh, she visited a family back in 2019. She sponsors three girls. So we went back and four years later, and now she saw the girls again. And I understand she knows this podcast exists now. She does. That's really special. We did talk about it. Amazing. I mean, Thank you I'm for not that. saying you should have her on just yet because she's probably pretty busy with the strike. <laughs> but in the future, you know what I mean? You know, maybe you slide a book over to me, I leave it out for All her. Right. Who knows what could happen? We'll see what we can do. So you had some interesting theories in the main episode that I thought it would be fun to dig more into. Tell so you were talking about like ADD and Amy's characterization. Yeah, I think I, that's an interesting read. Yeah, as someone who you know, there's a lot more information about the spectrum of sexuality. Or you know, back in the early '90s, they only knew the term Aspergers when they talk about autism. We know a lot more about um, autism and ADD, ADHD, all those sort of things now. So. Every time I would, they would meet a character, I'd be like, oh, like I had, a, I felt like I had a lot more grace because I'm like, oh, she's just ADHD. Like she's not trying to be mean or careless or thoughtless. It's just like she's, you know, her mind is in a million different places. It's attention inconsistency disorder more than it is attention deficit disorder in mm -hmm. my learning uh, as someone who has ADD. I was just talking with a friend of the podcast, Katie Ledoux, and she, yesterday about this, and she was calling it. Um, attention regulation. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And Amy, I mean, less about attention, more about um, autism spectrum. I mean, it, there is a reading of Amy's social gaffes in this mm. book as being uh, like her inability to read the social situation as being something that's like... Also, uh, they're all, from what I can tell in this book, highly amped up on sugar. <laughs> so many diet sodas, so many, I, every time, like every five seconds, they're like, I'm going to go get some ice cream, and when we come back, we're going to talk. I don't remember eating that much ice cream in high school. They eat so much ice they cream. They are hopped up on sugar. So much ice cream. And uh, hormones. Oh, yeah. Lots of hormones as well. It's hard to concentrate. <laughs> um, it's hard for us all. So I'm curious, This was this your, this was your first Sweet Valley High novel, right? It was. 
like, what did you think of the book overall? What were you expecting going into it? And how did it hit you? Because this was an interesting one to have it be your only book. Yeah, I think it was like, I was a little caught off guard how into it I got, like, right away. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I was having an inner monologue. And it was like, at that moment, Brian realized how intrigued he was by the world of Sweet Valley High. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just seeing where it was going. Some of the things you're like, okay, I see where this is going. I would like to more to know more, as I said, the Sutton's marriage. I think it's falling apart. I was reading into certain things, and I just couldn't stop thinking about 90 sitcoms the whole time. So there was some misdirection that totally got me. Surprise. I didn't know Jake was going to be gay. I didn't catch mm-hmm. all the subtle hints. I'm a big dumb boy, so some of the stuff that they were hinting at, like, it's no surprise that it didn't work out. I didn't catch any of that stuff with Tom. I think, I don't know what how it would have struck me if I hadn't gone into this already kind of looking at it through that lens, as I mentioned in the main episode, because I was wondering just kind of like what form the discussion of uh, sexuality or homosexuality was going to take in the book. But I knew there was going to be something. I just didn't know if it was going to be overt. And I was very... Like, I was excited. I was kind of, like, proud of the book. In the same way, Gladiators, if you think back on that, like, seminal episode that I did with Callie Baker Johnson about, um, you know, the big, uh, like, hate crime (laughs) book, um, that we were sort of proud of the book for, like, going there and the way that it handled something that we were not expecting it to handle well. That's kind of how I felt about this one. It actually comes up a lot in um, the podcast I produced, Feeling Seen, um, talking about the ways in which, um, for example, like a queer viewer um, is able to kind of imagine a lot of uh, things that aren't spelled out in the characters because you sort of have a lot of practice. At, mm. If you're not seeing yourself directly represented in things, you sort of practice imagining um, a subtext that may or may not be intended in yeah. in things. And so, uh, whereas, you know, we've had lots of, of conversations uh, over the uh, course of this podcast about books where there was no, like, clearly intentional um, like queerness in the characters, yeah. but the guest was just like, or or me, <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, boy, there's something going on there. Like, what's that all about? You know, um, so. I, I think about this, like, it's amazing how, how gentle and graceful they were with the conversation around um, sexuality. In, this is 1991 when this book came out. And you think about all of the comedies of the early 2000s that were like, the whole joke was like, mm-hmm. you know how I know you're gay? You eat soup out of a bread bowl. And like, yeah, you know what I mean? And that was like 20 years later. Yeah. But like in 1991, a book for, you know, teens is being gentle and graceful about a subject that people are really wrestling with. They're trying to figure things out. And it's like, It was never the butt of the joke, which I thought was pretty amazing. Right. And the book doesn't even harp that much on – it addresses it, but it doesn't focus that much on the question of, well, isn't your life going to be harder? If you're gay and people know you're gay, isn't that going to be a hardship? Can you even play tennis when you're gay? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it touches on that. Like, people have worries and, like, you know – but essentially the the adults in the room are – and Elizabeth are advising Tom. Like, you know, if you tell your friends and they're not supportive, those people aren't really your friends. They're not your real friends. You know, which is, you know, that's not the easiest thing in the world. But I guess my point is that the book isn't obsessed with – I mean, frankly, it's in contrast with book 74, which 
in which the characters are constantly talking about how, yes, it's okay to be fat, but boy, people sure do judge you when you're fat. And it's a lot harder. And fat people are, their lives, it's just how it is. Like, that's just how the world is. Like, this book didn't bring that energy to the question of sexuality yeah. at all. And I really appreciate that because, um, you know, it all it leaves room for people to sort of choose how whose opinion they're going to value yeah and how you can kind of uh take away opinions that you don't value when you're uh, adding them up to account for how you see yourself and whether or not you value yourself however or whoever you are i thought a lot about um my teen years when i was reading this too i was like going back over things Mm -hmm. like Oh, who was this? Or like, how, was I mean? Was I, you know, you think about all the mistakes you made. It's like, you know, you're also you're a kid. Sure. You got to let that stuff go. Like, you're not a fully formed adult. I mean, I, I had, I remember I had a, a girlfriend who told me boys are basically idiots until they're 27, and I think that was pretty spot on for me. <laughs> was there anything in particular that the books? That's reading the book brought up for you? I think that, like, you know, things that you're not comfortable sharing, you know, n- not whether, like, Tom is gay or not or isn't sure, but, like, even how weird it is to be, like, you know, she's volunteering at Project Youth. She's yeah. helping people, and she's worried that, like, people won't think she's cool. Yeah. Or just, like, the things where she's like, oh, who should I date? And they're like, oh, so-and-so's not popular enough. You can't date them. And how much, like, is is stupid as it sounds like i'm an adult i'm going to get in my car i'm going to drive to my apartment where i can do whatever i want and i don't have to, i don't care but like you have to see these same people over and over again and so like if you're you don't have any friends anymore in the lunchroom and you're ostracized like it's pretty traumatic for a teenager yeah so even though like looking back on it now it's like it's like oh it's so shallow but like you know that's their whole world well yeah there's a part of this book where amy thinks about what are her qualities? Like what it's we referenced it briefly yeah. in the main episode. What would Tom say about her? And she thinks, well, hopefully that I'm pretty, you know, I'm a cheerleader. Um, I'm popular. And then she pauses and she's like, well, I don't, I'm not really popular right now because uh-huh. my friends aren't even talking to me. But she is tan. And we do know how important that is in that <laughs> yeah. world. Hopefully he described me as someone tan, someone as a tan, tan blonde. Gray eyes are in the uh, problematic um, eye color hierarchy that we often refer to here on the show right at the top. Gray, gray is number one. So It's problematic? Oh, I just think it's problematic to have an eye color hierarchy, but we do oh. have one on the on the show <laughs> in the world of Sweet Valley High. Yeah. If if um you have gray eyes like Nicholas Morrow or Amy Sutton, that's just clearly valued above all. I have a friend who never dates men with blue eyes, and I was like, this is like a firm stance. Never. Okay. And her brother had blue eyes. She's like, because their whole life, everyone is telling them how cute they are, and they're just fooling themselves. And I was like, I don't think that's every blue-eyed person. I don't think so. As a blue-eyed person that comes from an almost exclusively blue-eyed family, I feel differently, but maybe... Well, there are blue-eyed boys in your family that were told they were cute, and then they grew up to be problematic? The first part, yes. The second part, I don't really think okay. so. All right. Well, I think they did. They probably were told they were cute. I don't think tell. it was because of their blue eyes, though, but I don't know. I'll have to ask them. I have brown eyes, brownish. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get any special treatment for my eyes. Well. A lot of white privilege, though. <laughs> Let's not pretend. Look, one, geographic, <laughs> geographic lottery. Also, 
my stunted emotional development did not realize that height was an advantage until I was like 30 mm. when it was way too late. Too late for what? To oh, use it, was it too to late my advantage. to realize it. Oh, okay, too, like you were behind. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I was very slow. Actually, I didn't hit puberty until like way late. Super awkward for a long time into my late twenties. I'm doing all right now. Some you might, seem like you've gone some through might it. Argue yeah. that I'm still a little awkward. I think I'm all right. But puberty is long, long past. It is. It's in the rear view. <laughs> It's Thank all downhill. That. Thanks for reminding me, gladiators. <laughs> and you know what else? Thanks for listening to this episode of Extra Drama, where we, I think, really embodied the spirit of um, attention regulation. Mm. You know, we're, for, for those that are new to your podcast, where can they follow you online? Well, I would... Say that the number one place to follow Sweet Valley Diaries online is mm. on Instagram oh. at Sweet Valley Diaries. What if they want to follow you, the host and producer of the show? Well, I I also have an Instagram account. It's well, at wait. Flaxbart. It's my last name. Oh, it's just that easy. It's just at and then your last name. Right. Well, first you do need to have the Instagram application on your phone. On your phone, yeah, the desktop. I, Instagram doesn't work so hot. I know it st- actually stopped working this week because I, people make fun of me because I message them on Instagram all the time because I use a PC for work and so I don't use Messenger on it. I have so, our, our initial message exchanges were over Instagram. Oh yeah, but I, that kind of makes sense because we didn't have each other's phone number. No, I was like I don't know anyone's phone numbers anymore. Like I just, I mean a lot of times I just message them on Instagram, yeah. but now you can't message on the on it's on the browser as easily. It's very frustrating. Sometimes you're sitting at a computer all day and you don't want to look at your phone. Yeah, people just think you're not paying attention. Instagram. I mean, you have well, you have a tablet. You you have notes, and I have notes in a book here. But like, I almost never take notes on a phone because it, it looks like looks I'm not paying like attention. You're not paying attention. This is really valuable content. I'll give you a little more valuable content. If you do ever have in-person meetings, I have two things at every in-person meeting. I have a notebook for actual work. I write down things and I cross them off like it's the 80s. And then I also have a journal because sometimes meetings are really boring and my mind is racing. So I write things in my journal as if I'm paying attention to the meeting and I'm actually journaling. I'll write a poem. I'll write a script idea. I'll write a joke. And then I'll go back to if there's something I have to write in the notebook, put it in the notebook. Brian, that's genius. Um, I don't know about having both, but I think it is. No, that having both is part of the genius because you have it looks like you're paying double the amount of attention. So so many attentions. All the attentions. And this is all just a manipulation of people's perspective of uh, not manipulation, but um a utilization mm. of coping mechanisms for my ADD-ness. Sure. I, I, there was an intern on one of my teams who was falling asleep at the team meetings once a week. I was like, bro, you know you can't fall asleep at work. Like This is like grown-up time. So I told him to get a journal. I was like, just it'll you don't have to write notes. Just Just it'll keep you awake and you won't look like you're falling asleep because you're falling asleep and everyone is like watching this guy slowly nodding funny story also about interns now i'm talking about interns <laughs> there was a, another kid who took my advice and had a notepad every time showed up at the meeting with a blank notepad because he's an intern he didn't have anything to share out at the meeting he just would take notes if someone was like write this down full blank piece of paper <laughs> and some was like um i had something on my face someone was like hey brian you got something right there and i was like Oh, I was like, do I have a bat in the cave? 
And, and they were like, what's a bat in the cave? That's like if someone has a bugger in their nose. And so the intern who was sitting next to me, I saw him slowly and deliberately write on his notepad. The only thing it said was, bat in the cave. <laughs> I was like, did you just write down bat in the cave? And he was like, yes. It's pretty funny. So do you think Amy Sutton should get a journal? I think Amy Sutton has a diary, but she should also have a journal. All right. Yeah. There you have it. Great. Well, gladiators, won't you get a journal as well and a notebook and take it to a meeting and then report back to us. Also, if you are friends with something L. Allison, what was her first name? Dear listeners, if you know who Shannon L. Allison is, she was the reader of the month for Book 75. We need to find her and let her know that we care about her. Also, is she all right? Tell her Brian's looking for her. Brian, I did message her on Facebook. I would not respond to me either. No. I'm some rando. No. Also, but my Facebook profile photo is pretty terrifying yeah. if you guys look it up. All right. Yeah, and Gladiators, if Brian sends you a message on Facebook Messenger, you can you can uh, find me on Instagram and just let me know. Yeah, complain to her, but you can message me on Instagram. I'm just at BPDUS. Brian called us. BP Dust. Well, that's good now. See, about five, six minutes ago, I plugged my Instagram, and now we're coming through. Gladiators. What what Marissa is saying is slide into her DMs (laughs) with all of your questions. And they often do. Send her voice notes. I mean, mean, maybe you start playing some uh, listener feedback on the air. Do you want to give out your personal cell phone? I think Instagram (laughs) will do. All right, Gladiators, we got to call it. I think if we don't stop talking now, we're going to... This episode's going to be as long as the main one is. So, Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, Brian, thank you so much for being thank, here. Thank you. And for reading this book. My are gonna, pleasure. Are you going to read some more now? Uh, I think I'm going to have to if I want to come back. <laughs> and I do. All right. Um, and Gladiators, thank you for listening. Tune in next week to find out about Miss Teen Sweet <gasps> Valley. Oh, my gosh. There's going to be some drama, drama there. And I think this time the rival to Jessica Wakefield is going to be Amy. So let's see how what Amy's learned uh, in the next book. And until then, bye. Bye. We have received thousands of essays from Sweet Valley fans all over the world. Francine Pascal and all of us here at Phantom Books, thank you. Congratulations to our Sweet Valley Reader of the Month. We are happy to publish this month's winning entry on the inside of the back cover. Whenever I'm upset about something, I like to curl up with the Sweet Valley High Book, and for some reason, it always calms me down. I get so involved in the book, I forget everything else. I feel like I'm personally involved with the book and its characters. When I read a Sweet Valley High book, I can expect to learn something useful. There's always a helpful lesson involved that makes me stop and think. My favorite Sweet Valley High book is On the Edge because it is so realistic and lifelike. It answered a lot of questions I had about drugs. I cried right along with the characters when Regina died, and I will never forget it. When I'm reading a Sweet Valley High book, I feel like I'm reading about myself. I am like a mixture of Jessica and Elizabeth, 
I always act first and think later, and I love to talk about boys and the latest gossip. But there is part of me that is shy and believes strongly in a good, honest friendship. I get good grades, I adore horses, and I love to read and write stories and poems. I can't imagine what my life would be like without the Sweet Valley Highbooks and their characters. All I know is that there would be something very big missing that I could not replace. I really think that the Sweet Valley High series is the best series in the nation today. And Francine Pascal is the best writer. Maybe this will show how much I appreciate the hard work she does and how much joy it brings to a girl's life. Shannon L. Allison, Hawaii.